You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Greetings. Alan Seiler. Nanu Nanu. And Veronica Dashel. Nook Nay. <laughs> Those actually work well together. Na- yes. Nanu Nanu and Nook Nay. <laughs> I did not laugh this time. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, I-, I failed at my attempt. I was I was purposefully Yeah, focusing. you were focused. You I were was focused. focused. I had She's my Klingon in my Vulcan head. Medication, meditation technique. <laughs> Vulcan meditation. Yeah, that too. Veronica, you could do a whole act. You'd be called the laughing Klingon. Yes. <laughs> All right, so today we've got a, a big news speculation, rumor mill. Uh, we got a lot going on this week. Woohoo! Paramount Plus has just announced the cast for Star Trek Prodigy, which is our, our new Star Trek show coming out this year. It's the first specifically kids show that Star Trek has done. And it's going to be fully the first fully CGI animated Star Trek hmm. series as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, just a few weeks ago, we did a speculation episode sort of covering some rumors and what we knew about star trek prodigy so it's going to be interesting now to see what exactly these characters are and there's some pretty surprising things and some things that we've predicted yeah i mean i think we got kind of close to a lot of these things i think a lot of them we did and some of them i think we were off um but sort of i figure we'll just go sort of go through the characters and sort of see what Mm -hmm. we have here yeah let's definitely do that yeah so an actress named riley alazraki is playing the character of Rock Tack. Yes. Now, Rock Tack, my first thought when I was reading this was, uh, Rock is a little bit on the nose. It's a <laughs> Rock character named Rock. But I mean, come on, it's it's a kid's show. That's true. That's yeah. true. But I, before I had time to be annoyed about that, I got to the next bit, which she's a brick car. Yes. We were actually right. That We like were a- totally right on that one. That's awesome. And the other thing is, um, we were... We were saying uh, we were, you know, it's kind of not obvious which gender it is. We were saying, what if it's a, a female? Right. And we also said, what if it's a, what if it's not like it's, it's so big and so, and just sort of towers over everybody else. What if it's the shy one? Right. But right. we hit that on the nose. Yes. Three counts. What, <laughs> yeah. So what they've got here is that she's a brick car and an unusually bright eight year old girl. Rock is a bit shy, but not when it comes to her love for animals. Wow, I missed the eight-year-old part. The thing about the animals we didn't pick up on. But. We, we, we didn't see the animals thing coming, but I, I like the idea of this big Brickar being an, an eight-year-old who loves animals. Absolutely. I think it's so fun. And if you're you're someone who's not a Star Trek novel reader, the Brickar or Brickarians, as they're sometimes called, were created by Peter David for the Star Trek Academy novel series, which I was reading at the time when it came out which was a youth-oriented um, Star Trek novel or Star Trek sort of short novel series that followed, in this case, Worf at the Academy. And then several of Worf's classmates were spun off into the Star Trek New Frontier novel series, including um, the, the Brickar, uh, whose name I just um, <laughs> forgotten. But anyways, I'll, it'll come up to me in a minute. Me, I'll like, I'm going to know this. At a weird time. <laughs> yeah. I look at Veronica like, help me out. Zach Cabron was Zach Cabron's name. But... <laughs> Glad it could help. 
and then <laughs> so the new frontier novel series which was the the first pocketbooks novel only star trek series which was pretty exciting at the time so mm-hmm. this is a character that i i knew back in the 90s when i was probably 14 15 16 17 years old and seeing that species being brought into canon star trek is pretty exciting we don't have too many examples of um races or characters that originated in novels that then came over to you know on screen appearances so yeah. i'm really excited about seeing our first Ricard uh depicted on screen i think it's really exciting yeah absolutely and i think it's something they should do more of because oh, yeah. i mean it's, it's big business now mining books to make streaming series mm-hmm. they do that all the time game of thrones being a, a, a prominent example or walking dead I mean, why not mind the, the ideas that have come up over the 50 years of Star Trek novels and comics and things like that? Totally. So what do we know about the Bricar, Charles? I, I'm not even really familiar with them. What do we know about their, their race, their species? Well, yeah, Zach Cabron, and I haven't read these books probably in 25 years, but Zach oh. Cabron was sort of the an, an analog of war. He was a big tough guy from mm-hmm. sort of a you know, warlike, militaristic kind of species. And like they look and like the name indicates, they're, they're sort of rockish, you know, like real, real tough skin, real strong yeah. kind of characters, which this seems to fall right in line with, with what we've seen of the brick car here. Yeah. I've but always it, wondered, uh, sorry, I always wonder if they're like Vulcans or the Binars. Is that what they call themselves? Is that what we call them? <laughs> how, how, how come well, they have a rate? They call themselves brick car. Right. Uh, it seems like uh, as going by personality, like they're sort of playing against type. Yeah. For this character, which I think is is interesting to you know for our first depiction on screen of a Ricard to do one that's not a typical you know what you expect to see as far as a, a personality goes. So it's going to be interesting to see where uh, she starts and how much of this uh, your typical uh, Ricard nature starts to emerge. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to see what kind of Brickar lore they go into. This makes me want to go get yes. those books out of the garage and read them again before the show starts. Absolutely. Right. Are they warlike when you said they're like Klingons? Are they warlike like Klingons and Andorians on that level? As I recall, but I'll mm. stress again, I read these in the 90s. Wow. <laughs> you know I, mean? I didn't even know it goes back that far. I That's didn't know there wild. was going to be a test at the time. <laughs> <laughs> You know, 20 years from now, I'll be on a podcast and I better right. know this. <laughs> when Keith asks, I'm going to be ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving along, we've got an actor named Brett Gray playing Doll, who's a seven, who's 17 years old, an unknown species. He fancies himself a maverick who, even in the toughest of times, holds strong onto his unwavering hope. Now, this is the purple character that we saw with yeah. sort of a mohawk. Yes. And we were sort of speculating whether which one was male, which one was female at the yeah. time, because they're young characters and you can't really tell. Right. They, could, they both could go either way. But also we were speculating that 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 character looked like the the troublemaker, the sure. the sort of like uh, mischievous one. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like we're right on that because he's a bit of a maverick. Yep. And uh, 17 years old, so quite a bit older than yeah. Rock Talk. Well, and I guess it depends also on lifespan of each race. That's true. 17 for this character could be, you know, not very much. And mm-hmm. maybe Bricars only live <laughs> nine years, so she's like middle age or something. I'm kidding. Yeah, but I don't think that's the implication here. No, of course not. No, of course not. <laughs> so not much that we can really say about that character yet. Yeah, not really. In a- since we and there was talk, you know, early on that, that um, at least some of these races were going to be uh, Delta Quadrant races, right? Don't we remember? I think they've confirmed that the show is set in the Delta Quadrant, but yeah. Now, as far as what races might may be in the Delta Quadrant, I don't know. 
I mean, cause yeah. there's some races here that you wouldn't expect to be in the Delta quadrant. Exactly. Exactly. So we have to wonder how they got there, right. you know, maybe another caretaker situation or something. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then we've got now then an actor that I'm pretty excited about angry Angus Emery, who we saw uh, in the, what was that movie called Veronica? Uh, the boy who would be King. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which was a sort of a, a modern day King Arthur kind of story. And played Angus Emery played, yeah, he played Merlin. And well, Patrick Stewart played old Merlin. Right. It was interesting because Patrick oh. Stewart played Merlin and then he disguised himself as a 17 year old boy and he was played by Angus Emery and Angus Emery was oh, great. How interesting. Yeah. How interesting that he already had sort of that Star Trek connection. Right. And wow. He's a very funny actor. Very sort of like you expect a Doctor Who to be. Yes. Mm. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the character of Zero, who is a Medusan, which is exciting. Mm. A yeah. non-corporeal, genderless, energy-based life form. Since others would go mad at the sight of their true self, Zero wears a containment suit they made themselves to protect others. And I want to say, when we're talking about the predictions we made a couple of months ago, Charles, you totally nailed that one. I know. We were all thinking it was sort of like a like a, a robotic character, like an android kind of character. But you were like, what if it's something that lives inside that suit? Right. I, did I was that. like, now, I didn't guess Medusa. I don't know. I don't that. think any of us ever entertained that. <laughs> no, I mean, that's that comes as a huge surprise to me. Yeah. Now, Veronica, have you seen Is There in Truth No Beauty, the original series episode? That I have probably Medusa? seen it at some point, And I know you showed me like the clip <laughs> of it. And I have no memory of it. Okay. So if I watch it again, I will have no memory of it. And it'll be like watching it well, for the first time. Because if you usual. look right at that episode, you go mad. Is why. <laughs> right, exactly. It's wiped from my memory. Which is totally what explains Keith and his crazy behavior. <laughs> <laughs> so will this character be a navigator just like the other Medusa, Ambassador Carlos, I wonder? I don't know, but maybe. Yeah. They, they don't say that here, but I don't see why not. Right. Yeah, I just remember in the, in the original series, Spock said that they had an ability to think of see space and time completely different from humans, which is mm -hmm. why they had, sure, they had yeah. Ambassador Carlos get them out of that weird space they went into. Yeah, yeah. I think Medusans are a good pull because it's a, a pretty obscure Star Trek. Interesting okay. premise, though. Like a non-corporeal yeah. species that if you see their true form, you go mad. It's a little Lovecraftian. Totally, mm -hmm. totally. Yeah, good point. I've never thought of that before, but that's absolutely right. Um, I think it's I think it's going to be really interesting to see uh, more of you know sort of like an exploration, just like we were saying about the Bricar, exploring uh, who Medusans are and and what they're about. To get more of their sort of backstory, I guess. Yeah, a lot of mythology there to build on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, the Medusan we saw on the original series was in a box. Yeah, you had right. to sort of carry the box around. So I think the legs are a good innovation. <laughs> yeah, was, definitely. If I was a Medusan, I would I would build some legs. And also. arms. Were there yeah. arms? There are also arms. Yeah. Yes. But it, the the suit does look cobbled together in the preview images. It absolutely does. Yes. So we were we were sort of speculating like a junkyard kind of situation. Right. Interesting. Yeah, but there's a possibility too of seeing other Medusans in other styled environmental suits. Also, Ooh. one would think. Yeah, yeah, that, and that that opens up a lot of possibilities, such as that character getting injured and how would someone operate on that character. And I know in the original series they had those really funky shades that Spock used to look directly mm -hmm. at Ambassador Carlos. So oh, I, I need somebody to put those shades on. Yes. Yeah, I think surgery. we all need a set so we can watch these episodes just in case yeah. he, his suit opens. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You're mentioning the, the, the costume. It kind of reminds me in DC Comics and the Legion of Superheroes, there's a character called Wildfire. 
that is a being of pure energy and mm-hmm. wildfire also had to wear a containment suit. So when you were describing that, that's what made me think a wildfire has no corporeal form. Yeah. And if his containment suit get breached, gets breached, he just kind of spills out and then he, they have to get him another containment suit to fill. So that whole concept of containment suit made me think about something like that. That's a interesting character. I never in a million years would have thought of a Medusin on a crew. That no. never I never would have yeah. pulled that one. No, yeah. not at all. And yeah. so that's, to me, that is the biggest surprise of this oh, yeah. whole reveal. No kidding. Yeah. I think wow. if you're having to bet money on it, no one would put money on Medusin. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth. This is true. This is true. <laughs> So the first time I saw that character, it reminded me of not not the main bad guy on the '90s uh, Ninja Turtles, and I'm forgetting his Krang? name. Krang, the one with his brain in the in the bottle. That's Krang. Oh yes, it reminded me of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So so it it could have been it's not now, but no. it could have been <laughs> like an, a classic character, and their brain was in there, and they were walking around with. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it could have been a gamester of Triskelion in there, but <laughs> as it turns out, it was a Medusa. It is not. <laughs> oh, the gamester. Oh, you got me with that. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> that's why I was just drinking some water. Oh, my gosh. The gamester. Well, that'll that teach you. Funny. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think if we were laying money, I would actually lay money on a Medusa before gamester. Right. <laughs> 12 yeah. plot lose on the Medusa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on, we've got Jason Manzukas. Yeah. Um, as Jenkum Pog. Yeah. Now, are you familiar with Jason Manzukas from here on the, the Star Trek.com website? They have Infinite and Big Mouth, but I know him from The Good Place. Oh, ha- absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I've seen him a couple of places, but The Big Place or uh, The Good Place is the thing that I've seen him most recently in. Yeah. He's, he's well, we'll just say zany. Yes. <laughs> he has an excellent comedic timing. Yes, he does. That is yeah. very true. That is very well, true. He's playing a 16 year old Tellarite. Yes. Tellarites are known to relish an argument and Junkum is no different. Regardless of opinion, he will always play devil's advocate for the sake of hearing all sides. Now, we bandied about a couple of different ideas about this character. Tellarite was one of them. Right. And so we, we nailed that one, too. Yeah. My I remember when it when this when the fir- images first came out, my first thought was Tellarite. Yeah. And then I let myself get talked into Talaxian. So I think <laughs> yeah, I was I on never Team Talaxian by the time yeah. we recorded. So I, I never really could find that. If I guess end. enough species, I will be right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of intriguing because that doesn't that round out the founding races of the Federation? Then, because we've had humans, Vulcans, and Dorians, and weren't weren't there four that founded the Federation? The um, are you talking Vulcans about as main characters on shows? Yeah, 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 yeah. We, yeah. And we've well, never seen a tell. We haven't had an Andorian main, main character. No. Well, yeah, just Shran as a as a frequent yeah. guest star. Yeah. And, th- and then we did have the Tellarite Ambassador in Enterprise, whose appearance I really enjoyed. So this will mm-hmm. be. And other than that, you saw that you know the Tellarites back in the original series, which mm-hmm. is it's a great, great, great appearance by Tellarites. Yeah. Uh, I remember the line when um, the ambassador was demanding to know uh, Savik's um, vote. And uh, when he says, Tellarites don't need a reason to argue, they simply argue. Right. So That's this right. would be very interesting. I also think, exactly. they say, and in Enterprise, they also point out that Tellarites are so honest and blunt, they can't stand you being polite. They don't like mm. it. They just want you to be straight up. You know, I think, I think Archer basically yelled at them 
ambassador in an enterprise and told him he stank and all this kind of weird stuff. And he's kind of like, hey, cool. That's what I like. <laughs> well, I like the way they phrased the argumentative nature here, mm. saying that he will always play devil's advocate for the sake yeah. of hearing all sides. Like, yeah. I'm doing you a favor by just arguing to argue. <laughs> right. But it makes it sound less like it's confrontational. Yeah. And more that it's just, you know, in his nature to explore, you know, different sides of the same of a topic. Right. Yeah. I like and, I, it. and that's already what I want to see out of putting, you know, a, a, a known character as a main main character on the show or known species as a main character on the show. Mm -hmm. Flushing them out, seeing their, yeah, their uh, perspective yeah. of it. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I could see a conflict being started by the teller, right? <laughs> now, we were you know, when we were talking about this character a couple of months ago, we were noting uh, his attire and stuff. And we thought that, you know, maybe a an engineer kind of role. Mm. Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see if we were right about that. I hope so, because there's a, a literal wrench on his uniform, like an exactly. image of a wrench. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if not, I'm very confused. It'll be interesting to see him have to uh, repair the, the Zero's uh, exosuit. Yeah. Yeah. And without looking inside. Without looking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Then we have Ella Purnell uh, mm -hmm. as Gwen, a 17-year-old Val Nakat who was raised on her father's bleak mining planet and grew up dreaming to explore the stars. Now, this is the character we speculated might be like a prince or princess kind of a character because of the, the clothes. Yeah. But Apparently it looks like she's just a farmer. <laughs> well, it says her father's bleak mining planet. Maybe he owns the planet. It sounds like it. Yeah, it really so, does. So she yeah. still could be a that's royalty or in a sense. That's true. Or that's at least a from point. a wealthy family. Right. She doesn't look like a miner. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, agreed. Or she's one of those characters that goes completely opposite the way she grew up. Mm. Kind of like she's she's pretending, you know. True. Right. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. That's another one. It's interesting that they they list her species as Val Nakat. Yeah. Um, we've mentioned the Illuminati before, which is a website that <laughs> had listed a breakdown of Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds characters that wound up being very, very lining up very closely with the actual casting that came out. Uh, but the Illuminati also had a list of Star Trek uh, prodigy characters that are sort of seem sort of off the wall, like a Ferengi and a scientist and all kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. But amongst them was a character who was also whose species was listed as Val Nakat. Oh, um, and it, I think oh, people I'd forgotten had, that had people have speculated that. And now that that character who was listed was posing as a Starfleet ensign to find the ship. Mm. Uh, and was hiding their true nature. It wasn't mm. this character here, but I thought it was interesting that people have speculated that, that that list of characters are just characters who will sort of appear on the show at various points, but not be the main cast members. Right. But Val Nakat is very specific to have show up yeah. in both the official announcement and in that. So that's something we've not focused on with the Illuminati, that new Illuminati article, but I came across it today when I was looking this up and I was like, oh, that, that would be hard to guess. Mm-hmm. So, right, so for absolutely. those of us not 100% in the names of all the alien species, where was this one from originally? Nowhere. Nowhere? It's just This is a new right. thing. This is a new thing. That's okay. why I'm saying, like, you could guess Vulcan and, like, okay, well, maybe you just guessed Vulcan. But you're not going <laughs> to guess Val Nakat. Right. Right. I thought it was, like, some barely known from one book. No, no this and, is something no, the, the prodigy people new. made up. So. You cool. don't remember the Val Nakat? How much Star Trek have you seen? Not enough. <laughs> and what she saw, she can't remember anyway. That's, that's very true. <laughs> the Val Nakat have been on many episodes. You just have oh, to yeah. watch them again for the first time. They were a feature on DS9. I can't believe I don't <laughs> right. remember that. <laughs> right. 
All right. And then we've got the, the last character here, played by D. Bradley Baker, who's a very well-known voice actor mm-hmm. from SpongeBob SquarePants, Dora the Explorer. I believe he's doing Star Wars, like the Bad Batch and stuff like that now. Uh, as oh. Murph, a character whose species and age are unknown, but who is an endearing, indestructible blob with curiously good timing and an insatiable appetite for ship parts. Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, the first thought when we saw the the character design reveal months ago was that this was going to be uh, Yafet from um, whatever that show was called. The Orville. The Orville. Thank you, Orville. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's analogous to that character. Right. Which, you know, I mean, it's come on. It's it's kind of coincidental. I mean, if it's not. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they're both blobs. Exactly. Yeah. I, don't, I think this one's going to be much less of a smart yeah. since Probably. he's not being yeah. played by Norm MacDonald. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting that he has an insatiable appetite for ship parts. That doesn't seem like who you'd want on your ship. Totally. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it keeps the Telluride in business. Yeah, that's true. That's Assuming true. he is the engineer kind of character. And it seems like a character that would play well to kids, too. Like, he keeps eating parts of the ship and exactly frustrated. That was, when I read the description today, that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah. That that's going to be, you know, possibly the comedic uh, element that yeah. kids will, will enjoy. Yeah, between him and Rock Talk loving yeah. animals and things and being, yeah. you know, a, a giant eight-year-old girl. Right. <laughs> right. So... So what will he eat? Ship? He'll eat scrap parts or something like that, I guess. Uh, they we'll have to see. Maybe parts we need. Who knows? I mean, he's insatiable. Well. He will <laughs> always be eating parts. I mean, it, it could be like, where's the dilithium calibrator? And like, <laughs> gulp. <laughs> gulp. <laughs> it would be interesting if he metabolized those parts and produced something useful. There was, I forget the character in, um, gosh, the, there was a character Nibbler. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Futurama. And Futurama, and he would eat stuff, and out the other end came stuff that turned out to be, I think, some kind of incredibly useful fuel. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, if you've not seen these breakdowns, or they they posted some images from the show that are yeah very good looking, um, go over to StarTrek.com, and there's a, an article called Meet Your Star Trek Prodigy Cast. The images look great. Yeah. For people who say, like, oh, it looks nothing like Star Trek when it came out, there are a, a lot of Star Trek deep, deep cuts more so than you usually get in a, in a TV mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. I mean, who would have guessed the Brickhart and Medusin would be main cast members on a Star Trek show? Totally. I think that's kind of cool. I think that to your point about they say it does look like Star Trek. I think that people need to, we need to be challenged. Um, it's so funny with, with the series Enterprise, I am in the minority in that while I agree that the fourth season of Enterprise, the one produced by Manny Cotto, is probably the slickest produced season. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it's my least favorite because they went back to the well. They did a lot of fan service. And it was great right. to see things like the Orion slave women and the arguments. But I actually liked a lot of Enterprise where it created creatures and species that I actually never saw before, even if it didn't work well. Mm-hmm. So to your point, when you say people say it's not Star Trek, well, hey, it's a it's a huge galaxy. Give us new right. characters. Right. Right. Um, I've got things to say about season four of Enterprise, but we'll save that for another episode. Good yeah. things. Good things. It's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I, I have a question because uh, I haven't followed it as much with um, Kate Mulgrew. She's the hologram, right? Yeah. Yeah. Does, does it seem like she's is she going to be the central part part of the show? Is she is, as the yes. hologram. She'll become almost like the mentor. And the yes. person drives that's what it seems show. like. She's the okay. a command train, command training uh, hologram. 
Right. Oh, and, okay. and she had given an interview not too long ago where she sort of gave mm -hmm. some vague descriptions of the plot. And it sounds mm -hmm. like they're all escaping from someplace and they yeah. find this Starfleet ship. And on the ship is the you know emergency training hologram. Yeah. Got it. Which sounds like it would have been very helpful in a situation like Valiant to have. Yes. You know, if, if you've got a bunch of cadets out there, you don't want them going right. rogue. You want to, you know, try to rein them in and have sure. someone to provide wisdom and so forth. And who better? Right. Kate, and and you wouldn't yeah. hire Kate Mulgrew and and her not be a central yeah. figure in the show. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you, and you're talking about the comedic nature of the show. I think that's great because Kate Mulgrew is one of those actresses who is a very good comedic talent as well as a great mm -hmm. dramatic actress. So she can do anything. Oh, God, so, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fantastic. Were there any species, if it's in the Delta Quadrant, were there any species you'd like to see show up or even like later on join the crew? I would love to see Herosian. I will answer in the negative, not yeah. the Kazon. <laughs> Whereas the Kazon were what I was thinking of when he said that, because oh, like gosh. if you were going to try to like like redeem, well, them, if you, like do if tell you, good Kazon stories and make me like right, them. right, so that's you, true, that's true. So you'd if have you a, want to rehabilitate them yeah. into being a good race, then sure. Yeah. So you have a yeah. you'd have a slacker Kazon teenager where they're always making cracks about his hair. Or something like that. Maybe always, that. everyone's always calling him like an off-brand Klingon, and he gets yeah. frustrated about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll get Seska. Uh, yeah, I could see we, from a comedic point of view bringing in a teenage Herosian because you know the Herosian are all about hunting. I would like to. I would like to see the Herosian be one of the threats. Yeah, one on of the, the bad guys on the show. Yeah, I mean, I want to see these them. kids have to. Maybe that would be the finale. These kids have to sort of like they've taken all the stuff that they've learned over the season from the from the Janeway hologram, and they have to do something to escape an attack by the Herogen. Yeah, they're being they hunted. have to do something to escape uh, assimilation by the Borg. Yeah, there's there's so much good stuff that you can do with this show. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of pot. I like to see mm. the Voth appear again. I just like the Voth. Yeah. That's just me. I love that species. Uh, so cool. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, I leave sign. I would actually be okay if the board didn't show up, but I want to see the Vidians. Yeah. Oh, I love them. Oh man, they're good. Well, what time period? This what time period does this take place in? This, this is, is a few years after Lower Decks, which is a few years after Nemesis, so after Voyager. It's uh, <laughs> a lot of afters. <laughs> so <laughs> before Picard. So, so right. spoilers, <laughs> so spoilers, spoilers, spoilers for Voyagers, though the Vidian phage was cured. But do we know that it got to every single Vidian who was scattered around the gal or the, or the uh, quadrant? Good point. It's a good point because uh, George and how do we know that it, it. how do we know that the phage didn't uh, mutate again mm -hmm. to the point where whatever the cure was didn't keep you know i, I don't want to like throw any kind of like covid mutation well no that's good that's air into the mix but yeah Hey, that's a good point. Then they could be pissed off because they're they're mad because it came back. Yeah. 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 Huh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and they and they go around stealing lungs out of Gwen and stuff like that. <laughs> hey, holographic lungs. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really whatever you have a story for. Because just yeah. like we we knew on by, you know, by the time of Lower Decks that the you know the salt vampire is long since extinct. <laughs> and they said that, but then there's one right there. Watch there out. you go. <laughs> you know? there you go. There's always going to be a stray somebody somewhere. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, there was something that I was going to save for later on in the news uh, segment, but I'm going to I'm going to put it here. Okay. Um, and that is a tweet by uh, David Mack, who is one of the uh, novelists working on Enterprise uh, novels and uh, a Picard one and stuff. And he said, 
get ready for what I think is going to be the best new Star Trek TV series since Deep Space Nine. Mm. <gasps> Star Trek Prodigy, it has brains, humor, action, and best of all, heart. This is going to rock. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And David Mack is... He's a consultant on this show, and he knows his Star Trek. He's a Star Trek novelist, and those guys oh, yeah. are very deep in Star Trek. But he's huh. been working as, as a consultant on this show, and he's been cheerleading it all along. I mean, he, uh, there's been tweets from him in the past that say things mm -hmm. like, you know, this will be what every 50-year-old Star Trek fan started off loving when they were kids 50 years from now. <laughs> you know, like right. this is going to introduce so many people to Star Trek who will grow up, and this will be yep. their, their Trek they grew up on. There you go. Interesting. I mean, I've, I've been very excited about this show all along, but that that tweet made me mm -hmm. just like, ha, can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so Keith, you had some history for us this week. Is that right? Yeah, just a couple of things. It's it's, it has, it's not a very, very busy week on this time. Um, so I just went back and I kind of looked around and around and this and that and stuff like that. And uh, a couple of things I found was on, I'm, I'll kind of have to do the week instead of just the day because there was such sparse stuff. And I want to go back just a couple of days on June 13th. 1949, one Malcolm McDowell was born. Hey. Yeah. And everybody, of course, knows Malcolm McDowell as uh, Dr. Soren in Star Trek Generations. A, I don't know, that's a movie people love or hate. Uh, I'm indifferent about it. It's it's okay. I, I think my only, I think my main thing about it, other than the fact that Kirk dies, because I think the way Kirk died was just a waste of Shatner. I don't really think they use Malcolm McDowell well. Uh, he's he's he, he's such a good actor and he has so much more menace i think than they really pulled out of him i don't hate the film though but um what do y'all think about generations i know some people who just won't ever watch it again so when you said that name i was thinking of roddy mcdowell from planet of the apes and i was like <laughs> he was on star trek hey wow. awesome <laughs> hey look Roddy mcdowell did everything so had he shown up i wouldn't have been surprised i take credit for veronica knowing that roddy mcdowell was in planet of the apes awesome <laughs> also never seen that before yes mm. but no i when generations came out i mm. was 14 mm. and it was captain kirk meeting captain picard on the big yeah. screen yeah and it was absolutely epic so sure. when we when we get around to doing a generations episode i'm prepared to uh, fight with everyone <laughs> go, i'll go down with the ship and I think that's one of those that's that, to the, that's literally a crossover and a handoff show. So I think in yeah. some ways there are some people who are just determined, you know, not determined. That's not fair. Some people, it just wasn't going to satisfy them in a lot yeah. of ways. I mean, I, personally, I didn't like Kurt's death, but I don't hate it. I just thought that Shatner and Kirk deserved a better death than that. Uh, but I don't know. There's a lot of good things I like in it. The destruction of the Enterprise D bothers me I, I just hate to see the ship go that's all i just love the ship and i like the e but i just hated to see the ship go and then of course it launched that horrible meme that people said deanna troy couldn't drive yeah. <laughs> for yeah. years people people blamed her for crashing the ship which i don't agree with she probably saved the entire crew maybe she missed yeah. most of the planet yeah totally <laughs> i also knew uh malcolm mcdowell i first knew him just because my age from uh, time after time, I wasn't mm. old enough for Clockwork Orange yep. when it came out. Oh, I was going to say I that's saw that exposure. later. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't watch that when I was ten, but Time After Time I did watch, and I loved that. that movie. I think Time After Time has got to be his most famous role. I love that he's not a villain in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen Clockwork Orange yet, that whew, even oh, about, yeah. even today, that is a that's a super intense. Oh yeah. Thing. 
Uh, Malcolm Dahl also had a, to have another weird Star Trek connection. He had a role in a, in a series revival that I thought was good. Unfortunately, it didn't last. It was the revival of Fantasy Island, where he played Mr. Oh, Rourke. Um, yeah. And, and a much, 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 much more menacing Mr. Rourke than Ricardo Montalban's. It was actually a good show, but it So it wait a last. minute. Wait a minute. So his other Trek connection is that he did the revival of a show that Ricardo Montalban originally starred in. Yeah, because we're that's... calling Montalban was calling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Woo, right. Boy, that's tenuous. <laughs> yeah, well, Ricardo Montalban was Khan, so he took over for Khan. Okay. Also, something people may not know is he is something, I forget the actual thing, but he's like the great uncle something something of um, Sadiq El-Fadil. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I'd forgotten about Dr. that. Julian Bashir on Deep Space Nine, they are related. That's right. Yeah. Also, uh, another weird pull that I found was uh, on January 15th in 1987, um, the TNG episode Encounter at Farpoint was in production. And on that date, January 15th, the first scene of a new character called Q were being filmed, starring one John Delancey, who before that time for a lot of people was known as this really weird, quirky inventor on a show, a soap opera called Days of Our Lives, Eugene. And <laughs> <laughs> talk about age. I know, Veronica, that doesn't work for you. But this is when John Delancey was brought into the show to do his first scenes in the um, the court. Remember the courtroom scene where he talks about you're in a you're whatever race and all that kind of weird stuff like that. This was uh, being filmed. So Q enters the Star Trek universe. So interestingly, and this is jumping ahead to our new segment a little bit, but he is currently in production again on Picard. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? And what he said was two seasons worth. He, he oh, yeah. Kinda, yeah. yeah. He, he, he yeah. kind of leaked that out. Uh, also, on June 16th in 1990, birthday, one John Cho. Hey. He plays, of course, Sulu from the, I, I think people call it the Kelvin universe. Yeah. I, yeah. I still call I still call it the Abrams verse, which might be slightly derisive. Well, so people call it that call too. It. Yeah, I think people who don't like it call it the Abrams verse. Uh, people <laughs> who don't, <laughs> who, who kind of don't don't love it. Uh, another interesting date on uh, birthday, June fifteenth, nineteen fifty six. One Robin Curtis was born. Okay. Who, yay! Uh, yay! Uh, is that a is that a support for her role? Turn to Savick, Alan. Is, is that what? Is that support for her role as Savick? He's, oh, he's absolutely. Yeah, I, freaking, I freaking love Savick. And yeah, I'm going to tell you, uh, uh-huh. I, I was going to save this for a, a later episode, but I want Savick to be in Picard. Really? I need her in season two or three. And I've now, got stuff to say about that. But I'll play by you, Robin Curtis. I'll, right. Not, well, yes, absolutely. Not Kirstie Alley. No. Either one. Ah, okay. But I would prefer Robin Curtis, not because anything against Kirstie Alley, but, mm-hmm. you know, but th- but it was played more, slightly more by Robin Curtis. And she has done other Trek episodes mm-hmm. and played yeah. a Vulcan in a tra- Trek episode, which I thought was going to be Savick undercover. And it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And I was denied my return of Savick to the Trek verse. And so she has to be in Picard at some point. So what I want is for her character from Gambit to come back and reveal she was Savick all along. Yes. That would be awesome, right? Yes. That would be awesome. That will take care of everything I ever wanted. <laughs> I liked 
Uh, I really like Kirstie Alley's Savick, and I think Robin Curtis, I saw, I saw an interview with her or listened to an interview with her just a year ago, and she said that she at first got some backlash because a lot of fans like Kirstie Alley so much. Oh, sure. And, yeah, and of course, she, that's always uh, going to happen. Yeah. Exactly. But I think she did a good job at what she had, and she's such a delightful person. She does real yeah. estate and stuff on the side. She's a delightful person, so I agree with you. I'd love to see her come back. She's yeah. someone, all these years later, she's so humble and grateful to have been part of the Star Trek family. She just has a fantastic attitude so well, I'd love I'm, to see her I'm, I'm saying it right here admiral savick in picard season two or three ah, i'm speaking awesome. it into into existence it will happen <laughs> uh june 17th i'm just doing this week in track uh june 17th a script was submitted back in 1967 that was titled a fuzzy thing happened to me <laughs> <laughs> you know what that is <laughs> The script was submitted by one named David Gerald, and it became The Trouble with Tribbles okay, in its wait. final form. It was just a fuzzy thing happened, not a fuzzy thing happened on the way to the something. Exactly. The, the title is A Fuzzy Thing Happened to Me, uh, dot, dot, dot. So you're right. You can always plug in. Like, there's a famous movie, A Fuzzy Thing Happened to Me on the Way to the Forum, as you're saying, and stuff like that. But yeah, that musical, was the name of Musical. It. Yeah, movie, musical. Musical. Yeah, well, musical movie because I've I've seen one Zero Mostel, and yes. then it became the Trouble with Triples, which is literally one of the those legendary series episodes in all yep. of Star Trek. Isn't that amazing? Back in the day when they were still doing an open submission, when people could just submit scripts and get listened to. Yeah, another fact. And one last thing, and Charles, you may want to mention because um, you had talked about this January uh, June sixteenth is celebrated as Captain Picard Day. Yeah. And I looked it up and they said some people were, there's been little arguments about was it the 15th, 16th or 17th, but they said if you, most people say that if you translate the star date, which to be honest, nobody has ever figured out what a star date means. It does <laughs> star dates don't mean anything. That's what exactly. they mean. There was a system for it on next year. <laughs> it's all real. Oh, right. no, no, no. no. And June 16th is now celebrated by as Captain Picard Day, which yeah. first came up in the episode, The Pegasus. And what I find so interesting about that is it, it highlights the fact that there are families and children on the Enterprise. And one of these days, we got to have a discussion about families and children on the Enterprise, because I've never gotten that. But there's a funny scene when they talk about Captain Picard Day. I don't know if y'all remember, but there's a scene where Picard is actually on the comm to his Admiral, Admiral Blackwell. And yeah. as they're talking about this really serious thing having to do with the Romulans and the Pegasus and all this stuff, and she looks over his shoulder, she goes, Captain Picard Day? And Picard gets really embarrassed and starts stammering. He goes, oh, uh, 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 yes, it's it, it's for the children. Then he gives an embarrassed laugh and he says, I'm, I'm a role model. And she just goes, <laughs> I'm sure you are. Starfleet out. <laughs> and it's such scene. a great line because Picard never kind of lets his hair down, as it were. And he he, he was kind of well, he doesn't have it. any. Right. Sorry. And I love it. And Cheap I think was, <laughs> and I think what's so cool is a great callback is in the series Picard. You see the banner mm-hmm. in his personal effects yeah. when he, he goes to it. the library. Yeah, which I think is pretty cool and says a lot about Picard and how he. He was always known as being someone who didn't like children. That's even brought up in Picard. I thought it was so cool to even show that little part of him, just that he kept the banner. Yeah. I, I like that he kept the banner and he didn't keep it digitally like everything else. Because we were rewatching um, that first episode of Picard and I was like, yeah. how does he keep all of his stuff and so organized? Like, how is there not this giant pile of stuff in there? And then he, the, the thing digitizes. I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Also, everything is stored when, digitally. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that, Veronica. I just, it's so funny. I just watched that same episode Sunday. And I also caught that because I was thinking the same thing. And I heard them talking about, was it digitized? And I thought, oh, which would make sense. You know, you get a bunch of stuff. You just, I mean, I guess really you just could put it on a, almost like a, um, a USB stick and all you need is the pattern, really. You don't even need to really, you don't even need to, re, you don't even need the original energy from the original product. You just need the pattern, I guess. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation about you know, replicators <laughs> and transporters in the future. That would help me tremendously if I could yes. store everything in a pattern buffer. Right. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Yeah. And like I just and keep one of the hairs from your comb so that when you get old, you can just. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. And that's all the history I had for this weekend, Star Trek. Okay. Then we're going to take a quick break. We'll promote our fellow ESO Network podcast shows. And when we come back, we've got even more news. We've got some rumors, some speculation. So stay right there. Hello, everyone. Dr. Geek here with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. <laughs> Let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. Tired of the same old movie podcasts? Yeah. What if I told you there's a podcast that gabs about good and bad movies? Why are you spreading such lies? It's true, you rascal. Every week, Double Edge Double Bill mixes that scrumptious taste of good movies with the sour flavor of a bad one. That sounds tasty. Well, don't delay. Stuff it down to your ear throats today. Double Edge Double Bill is part of the Balance ESO Network Breakfast. It can be found wherever you download podcasts. Okay, so Strange New Worlds. We've got several of the directors have been tweeting, um, sort of confirming as they're going who's directing the show. Uh, now, we already knew that Akiva Goldsman is directing the premiere episode. He's the, mm -hmm. sort, of, the sort of the head honcho on this series. He's an executive producer and co-wrote and is now directing the first episode. But most recently, Amanda Rowe tweeted her uh, clapperboard and she's not the first. Um, we've previously had tweets from not only Amanda Rowe, but um, Sydney Friedland. Sydney Friedland. Freeland. Yes. Freeland. Sydney Friedland tweeted out her clapperboard as well. Yep. Um, there's been several directors confirmed for the series now. It seems like the, the directors for Strange New Worlds are overwhelmingly female from what we've seen so far, which I find interesting. Mm -hmm. We've got Maja Vervillo who mm -hmm. I believe she's directing um, either the second or third episode. Now, she is known for directing both Discovery and Picard, uh, episodes that I like that she directed, uh, The Impossible Box of Picard she directed, where right. Picard returns to the Borg Cube for the first time. Right. She also directed the episode this, in this most recent season of Discovery, where uh, the one with the, uh, the, the, the Byzant ship, the Barzan ship. Oh, yeah, the, oh. the, yeah. the Seed Vault. Right. Oh, that's that's a good one. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful episode. Very <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, very skilled director. So I'm excited to see her come over to, to the original series era. It won't be the original series, but sort of in that era with the more colorful, I would hope. But 
I'm interested to see what she has to do. But it's, it's very interesting to me that so many of the confirmed directors, you've also got Leslie Hope, who I haven't seen her tweet about it, but I believe that she was mentioned in uh, some trade publications. Uh, now, Leslie Hope is an is a, both an actor and director from Canada. She's done episodes of The New Lost in Space on Netflix. She's done... Um, What's that one with the train that we watch, Veronica? Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. Yeah. Two, yeah. And those are two of the best sci-fi shows out there now. But Leslie Hope, as an actress, appeared on Deep Space Nine. Absolutely. What? She played yeah. Kira's mother. Yes. No way. Yeah. Sure did. Oh, yeah. wow. So yes. assuming that the reports of Leslie Hope directing Strange New Worlds come out, uh, yeah, the actress who played Kira's mother will be directing for Strange New Worlds. Huh. Nice. Uh, I guess sleeping. I guess sleeping with Ducat actually got her somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't. I hadn't seen this Charles the List or any of the old guard directors involved, such as Jonathan Frakes, Lamar well, Burton, Robert Duncan McNeil. I think Frakes, but I don't know you that know Frakes. You yeah, know I mean, have Frakes. Yeah. Frakes is yeah. like the funny uncle of Star Trek. Now he's everywhere. <laughs> yes, yes. <Yeah>. totally. <laughs> How about Roxanne Dawson? Because she's a pretty deep, uh, accomplished nah, she hasn't no. been on at all. Hmm, interesting. No, but she's also busy. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, you would think that they would get Roxanne Dawson, Ro- Robbie McNeil involved at some point. But right. um, I think they've got Frakes as sort of the the director from the old cast member days. But they've yeah, been really taking yeah. the opportunity to bring in and you know, open up a lot of opportunities for other people. You know, yeah, awesome. a, a lot of female directors here in Strange New Worlds. Um, yeah, awesome. And then Sydney Freeland, uh, we were just talking about the other day, was um, she is a, a transgender Navajo woman, which I'm really interested to see what perspectives that she brings. That's the, the fun part to me is, you know, getting the more as much diversity behind the camera as possible. And the more people involved in telling these stories and you get more interesting stories. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah. All right. And we also had there were some tweets from one from Onitra Johnson, her first day on set ever. Right. She's a writer for Strange New World. So she's uh, very excited about that. Um, and also would, Bill Wolkoff tweeted. Go ahead. I was looking her up on IMDb. Okay. There's not really anything. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple of things from like 2017, 2018 on three different productions. Hmm. Um but nothing of note like there's one a short film called nightshade actually it's three short films nightshade moving day and driven uh Mm. where she was uh, a producer on one like a camera operator on another one so it's really interesting that she is that new in a, a writing career right and her first big ticket item is a star trek show Mm. that's phenomenal yeah absolutely is that absolutely is yeah, and I, I love that they're making a concerted effort to make Star Trek as diverse behind the camera as is yes. the camera. And that's Absolutely. something that we commented on, Veronica, when we were watching that Deep Space Nine documentary was you know, they spend a lot of times patting themselves on the back for how diverse <laughs> Star Trek is. And then you cut back to the writer's room and it's 10 white guys. Right. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, let's True. get the let's let's get the diversity on both sides, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, agreed. Because you hear the you hear the you hear the fighting sometimes when yeah there's always there's always that discussion and debate is can a person who's not of a group write for a group and the question mm-hmm. is of course you can yeah. but at some point in time you still need somebody from that group to give to the nuance and I, so I agree right. with you mm-hmm. completely you right know, and I th- I think that's important yeah totally. yeah and and even if you have I mean even the best writer is it, you want to have someone who's representative who can say hey wait a second you know if if things are 
going the wrong direction. You know what I mean? Right. Someone who right. has the, the personal experience, um, which actually segues nicely um, because there's some tweets from Mark Bernardin that I found very entertaining. Now, Mark Bernardin, if you're not familiar with him, he's a, a writer and producer in Hollywood. He's been around for a long time, but he's I know I, I first became familiar with him because he co-hosts the Fat Man Beyond podcast with Kevin Smith. So Mark Bernard's a guy who's a genuine nerd and spends a lot of his time talking about Star Trek and Star Wars and Batman Mm. and all that kind of stuff. And um, he's now for season two been brought on as I I believe not only a writer, but also a producer for Star Trek Picard in its second season. He's one of the exec producers. Right. Uh And now he tweeted uh, earlier this month, uh, a new favorite phrase, which he encountered in the writer's room for the first time, which, which, and I quote, and from there, it's just a mad dash for the logo, which may not strike you as particularly Star Trekish, but immediately there was these people from the old days of Next Gen and Deep Space Nine chiming in because that was a phrase they used back in the old days in the in the TNG writers' room. And there are a lot of guys going back and forth, guys like um, Jose Molina, uh, Robert Hewitt Wolf, trying to properly attribute where the quote came from. But an interesting hmm. point to me that Mark Bernardin commented, "Well, I heard it from a TNG writer, so that makes sense." Uh, which I, I, if there's a confirmation of a next gen writer who's working on season two of Picard, I didn't know about it. Um, but it seems to me like it's confirming there's a TNG writer working on the second season of Picard. Sweet. Well, second, second or third. True. Because both are in production. True. That's true. But I thought that was interesting to know. And Absolutely. really, I just find it delightful seeing modern day Star Trek writers, old school Star Trek writers going back and forth on Twitter about where this phrase came from. Agreed. <laughs> you know, it's sort of continuing Agreed. that lineage. Yeah, totally. Hey guys, this is Chuck here cutting in during the editing. After we recorded this episode, uh, Mark Bernardin revealed on uh, his Fat Man Beyond podcast with Kevin Smith that he's actually not working on Picard Season 3. He he was on Season 2, his contract was up, he said he had to go on to some other obligations. Uh, so he's working on another project now, he didn't reveal what that was, but uh, mentioned that it may have a baby Battlestar connection, whatever that means. But just wanted to clarify that, that the TNG writer he was working with may not have even been on Picard. Uh, I just didn't want to be responsible for any rumors. So if you want to look for that, it was on the Fat Man Beyond Live. That's Fat Man Beyond episode 334, two hours and seven minute mark. It's a three hour podcast. So just wanted to clarify that and back to the show. All right. So speaking of Picard, there, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just going to say jumping to Picard. I was going to say that there was a tweet from uh terry metallis we mentioned uh john delancey earlier in this episode and Mm -hmm. he tweeted out a picture of delancey sitting in his office um and terry of course is uh one of the showrunners of picard Mm -hmm. uh seasons two and three and uh has worked on uh, either as a as a uh, showrunner or a writer or whatever on lots of different uh sci-fi series uh, nikita terra nova but he also worked, um, he's got a lot of Trek history because he worked um, in production on uh, both Enterprise and Voyager. Hmm. And so I'm really excited to see uh, how Picard is going to shift directions a little bit, especially someone who's come in with that kind of Trek pedigree. Yeah. Um, so, but I, th- I thought it was cute that he uh, shared this photo of John Delancey, who just comes in and sits in a chair in his office like he's the captain of the room and... <laughs> So basically, it confirms that a uh, Delancey is still on set, 
Yeah. And then just makes himself at home in the showrunner's office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like and, he's going to pass judgment on him or something. Yeah. And Keith had mentioned earlier that, you know, he's, he's appearing in season two and three, which it seems like they're filming them back to back. Yeah. They're they're Well, from what I heard, they're in production together. They're doing, right. they're doing the whole, you mm-hmm. know, bunch of them. Yeah. So, I mean, and that makes sense if you have uh, Delancey and um, Whoopi Goldberg, Assuming Whoopi Goldberg is going to be in both seasons, we know she's in season yeah. two, uh, but it would make sense that so it, it sounds like it, maybe it's one big storyline that's being told over two seasons or something. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with it. God, I man, Alan, I would love to see my goodness, Patrick Stewart, Whoopi Goldberg, and John Delancey with a long story arc. My goodness, yeah. would that be? Yeah, good? wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, and answer some I of think those we're questions. Gonna get it. Yeah, because we know everybody's everybody's been always asking, what is the deal with Q and Guinan, the whole thing mm-hmm. where he first can't saw her and he said she's an imp and where she goes trouble follows and everybody like what in the world is the history between those two mm-hmm. uh, yep. very interesting oh absolutely i'm looking forward to what they explore yeah yeah and the other thing people have always joked about i think it was purely defensive thing people have always asked why was it when q held up his hand like he was going to zap Guinan? she held up her hands and there's debate between people get really yep. deep as in could she possibly have stood up against q yeah, I want to find oh, out. Sure, that was the implication, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be good. <laughs> you just got me excited saying that. I don't think I even thought about it in that context. Heck wow. yeah, man! Wow, powerhouses. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about all these shows. I mean, yeah. it's it's a nice place for Star Trek to be, where they just got these. It seems like everybody's in the right jobs. You've got really exciting prospects for all the series, and it's just like, all right, let's so press play. Let's do this. You know, totally. I'm, I'm ready. Totally. I have a question. Um, Looking at all these shows, uh, Discovery, Picard, Prodigy, Lower Deck, Strange New Worlds, just as Kevin Feige is the overlord of the Marvel Universe and Branyan, Braga, and Berman became the the Mm -hmm. ones for the Revitalize, is there a person or a group of people who are shepherding all these things for consistency? Yeah, it's Alex Kurtzman and and Heather Caden. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, there's the the secret hideout team, and they're sort of the overlords of all of it. And actually, if you if if you know, if you get done with this and you want to listen to another Star Trek podcast after you finish mm-hmm. listening to ours, um, <laughs> the, the the pod directive, which is the official Star Trek podcast ho- yep. co-hosted by Tony Newsom, had a really interesting interview with Alex Kurtzman this, this week, okay. which I haven't had a chance to listen to yet. And I'm really looking forward to hearing it. It's good. Yeah, I think I need to listen to that, too. I was given what you were just saying about it's good time. I know, Alan, you said when we first started the podcast, what a great time it was to be a Star Trek fan. Heck, yeah. Yeah. You know, it always reminds me of, of course, everybody knows the legendary story, how the network was so afraid of the first Star Trek. They commissioned the second pilot, blah, blah, blah. They didn't think it would go anywhere. The series died after three seasons and nobody thought it would come back and look what it turned into. And I always remember when they talked about bringing back any Star Trek, it was so funny that Leslie Mundes, how you pronounce his name? Mm-hmm. Um, the guy over CBS at the time said it was pretty much a stupid idea. That was a quote. <laughs> I read a quote from him. Like, this is a stupid idea to bring back Star Trek. It's never going to work. I don't understand this. And boy, look at that. Yeah. yeah well, there's always people who, you know, yeah. slough things off as stupid ideas, like, you know, right. the guy who didn't sign the Beatles and, you know, all these legendary <laughs> stories. Of, right. You know, those kind of things. Yeah. <laughs> it is just amazing. And it seems like, to your point, it's, it's, it seems like it's it's growing with every iteration. It's growing in diversity. It's growing in uh, not just diversity of people, but types of stories. Um, it's, it's fascinating to have Star Trek be both for kids and adults at the same time. 
That's that's just amazing. Animated Star line. Wars has been doing that for a yeah. long time, and yeah. Star Trek has not been doing a good job of that. Mm. So I'm very excited to see Prodigy come along and to f- kind of fill that void. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And I'm excited, like you say, Keith, that every it seems like every Star Trek show is very different from one another. Yeah. So it, you don't feel like it's the same show on a different set or a slightly right. different uniform. I mean, I remember back in the 90s hearing about people who couldn't tell the difference between Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Not hardcore fans. <laughs> what? But, well, How just, can that be possible? <laughs> not hardcore fans, but just I know, random obviously. people. Because they, yeah. they wear the same costumes and they're on very similar sets with very similar music, telling very similar stories, particularly exactly. in the early seasons of DS9. Absolutely. So I don't think you'd have that problem now. Yeah, no, absolutely I, I not. With that. Yeah, they're, they're telling they're telling they're telling great stories and different perspectives. It's it's, yeah. it's fantastic. And I like that they're leaning into you know the progressive future of Star Trek. They're making that mm-hmm. sort of a core of not only the shows but also their marketing, and it's like they're doubling down on that, which is nice to see. Absolutely, right. Absolutely. Right. absolutely agreed. Okay. Well, did anyone have any any closing thoughts, Veronica? It's all you. What do you have to oh, say? We're not talking about Picard. Did we already talk about Picard? <laughs> Did I know that world Picard? Oh, that's that's next week. That's the whole episode next week. <laughs> yes. No, I thought about the news, but I guess we did talk about the news from Picard. It was just really short. It was, yeah. There's not a whole lot of news. Veronica's trying to promote our Picard review, which will be going out next week. <laughs> I'm trying, Veronica. So everybody listen to that. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting. I have seen so much hate for Picard online that I'm kind of stunned coming to this a little behind everybody else. Uh, I it's going to be interesting to talk about. Let's just yeah say. yeah. So if you're if you're eager to hear us talk about Picard, tune in next week and we'll be talking about that. And from there, it's a mad dash for the logo. Hey, <laughs> good job. <laughs> That was awesome. That was yeah. you've, been, you've been saving that this whole episode. You're like waiting for your opportunity to say it. <laughs> Alan, where can people find more of you on the internet? <laughs> well, I have a small publishing company called Cosmic Press, which is K-O-Z-M-I-C press.com. And you can find me on Facebook, uh, Facebook page. Um, I'm also involved with Hulanta. Uh, which is hulanta.com and on a Facebook page and group and my Sunday evening music show called Alan's Music Room live on YouTube and my Facebook page. Great. How about you, Keith? You can find me on Instagram and uh, participating in all the ESO Network Facebook groups and on Facebook as myself, Keith Johnson. Hey, and how about us, Bronca? Feltnerdy.com, which leads you to Facebook page. Feltnerdy.com. I keep thinking that I'm going to say that at the same time you do. When he says, and how about us, Veronica? (laughs) Feltnerdy.com. I'm going to get it next week. I'm going to get it. There's no way you can get my inflections and timing. I bet you. We'll see. Challenge. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, 
your station for all things geek.